0: We, uh, for the last couple of Sundays, we've been talking about the body and how it's put together and how there are you know, many parts but one body and... We've been talking about the fact that each part within the body needs to find its place, find its role, right? And I just want to encourage you with that. Again, if you haven't yet figured that out or haven't found out what your part in the body is, to, to do so. And to make sure that that you're figuring out where you fit in. And, and we talked about a couple of reasons for that. One is because we are blessed and we benefit when we are functioning within the body the way God has designed us to function. And we get to enjoy the blessings of, uh, of all that comes along with that. We also pointed out the fact that the body needs you as well. And the body needs the different parts to be plugged in and doing what they do in order for the body to function the way it, it's supposed to. But at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there was a verse that we didn't get to last time and it's a great lead in to chapter 13 where we're going to spend some time today. I think you'll recognize 1 Corinthians 13 and it may be the first time you've heard it not at a wedding ceremony in a little while because we always read it at weddings, but, uh, but it really was written for the body of Christ. But let me just read verse 31, backing up to the end of chapter 12. It says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because all of chapter 12 is all about how every gift is equally important, right? There are no gifts that don't matter. And then he ends by saying, eagerly desire the greater gifts. It could almost seem a little bit contradictory. What, what's the point? Of what is he saying? Saying eagerly desire the greater gifts. Well, the first thing I would point out to you is this, that he's speaking to the church as a whole. He's telling the church to desire those greater gifts. Not any individual, but the church. And so really the point is not, hey, I should seek a certain gift or something uh, for myself, but that the church, and he just comes off talking about, you know, gifts uh, like apostles and prophets and all those kinds of things, Uh, these are gifts that uh, help provide leadership for the rest of the body to function as it needs to function. So I think the point that he's making is, as a whole body, desire those gifts that help lead that body so that every part can get plugged in and every part can do its own job. Now, if there's any question whatsoever about whether this is you know, an individual shining in any way, right after that he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So here's really uh, what it's supposed to be all about is this most excellent way. Let's read about that. And this is our, our main text for today. Verse Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but have no love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, I love that he starts off this whole section of Scripture by making the point that you could be the most talented person in the world And if you don't have love, it really doesn't matter. In fact, this is really a shot at those that were put up on a pedestal in Greek culture. Greek orators were really some of the most highly respected people. They would come into town. They would... uh, come in with great fanfare, and they would uh, pass out you know, flyers, information. They would find a public gathering place where they could go. People would come, and they would give them a little bit of a, a rousing uh, type of a speech, and it was intended to whet their appetite so that they would want to come back for more. But they were, they were highly um, uh, respected, but also held to a very high standard of rhetorical skills. And it was a big deal in that culture to be a respected orator. And yet, listen to what Paul says. And knowing that helps us understand what he's saying here. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or even of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He said, look, these, these people that you think are so valuable because they're so eloquent in the things that they have to say. If you don't have love, that doesn't matter. And then he goes on, he says, it's not just about those that are really gifted, but even the spiritual gifts, even the gifts that we've been talking about in chapter 12, he lists some of them. I could have the gift of prophecy, fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains. But he says, if I don't have love, none of that matters. I'm nothing. So here's really the the first kind of main idea of what he's getting at today is that love, Matters more than gifts or abilities. Love is more important than how gifted you are, what talents that you have. And, you know, we are reminded here once again that that God is more concerned about what is inside of us than he is what comes out of us. I mean, what comes out is an overflow of what's inside to begin with. But God is more concerned about the heart. He's not just concerned about things that we do for him. He is concerned about uh, who we are. He's concerned about our our love inside of us. In Matthew chapter 22, you may recall, Jesus was asked a question. He was asked a question, what is the most important commandment? Do you remember his answer? This is a great opportunity if Jesus wanted to emphasize, okay, here's something really important that you need to do for God. This is the absolute perfect setup for that. Okay, Jesus, let's hear it. Let's hear what we're supposed to do. And so many of us in our culture, we're all about doing, right? I got to have my checklist and do this and do that. And if I do for God, God will be pleased. Well, what did he say? Let's read it together. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart With all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Guys, let that phrase sink in for a minute. All the law and all the prophets. I mean, everything that has been taught about God from the very beginning up until this point, Jesus says, I can summarize all of that. It it really all boils down to love. You need to love God and you need to love people. Everything revolves around that. I mean, just let the enormity (laughs) of that sink in a little bit, just how important it is in God's eyes that we love the way He wants us to love. Here's really kind of the the, the bottom line for me as I look at this. What are we to be about as a church? And, and, And our mission statement as a church comes out of this. Here's what we're about. We're about connecting people to God and each other. That's that's what we're seeking to do. And that really flows out of what Jesus had to say here. Love God and and love your neighbor as yourself. Connect people to God. Connect people to each other. Um, That's what we're all about. But but, but love has to be at the center of that. It's not just about things that we do. It's about um, what's in the heart. And here's the thing. Once we love God the way we should, and once we love people the way we should, all this other stuff is going to fall into place. I mean, we've been talking for the last two Sundays about you know, finding your place in the body, serving, and, and doing your part. Well, here's, here's the deal, guys. If, you, if we really love God like we're supposed to, we're going to want to serve God. There's going to be a desire to, to worship Him through service. If we really love people the way that we are called to love people then we're going to want to plug in and do our part to minister to other people as well. And so really, it's an overflow. All the doing stuff flows out of a heart of love for God and for people. And that's what chapter 13 is all about, is just making sure uh, that we understand what's most important. Have you ever been in a position where you have done the right thing, but not out of a heart of love? I have. That happens all the time, right? There are things that that we do that we know maybe it's the right thing to do. And, you know, sometimes that's just part of life, right? But that's not nearly as fulfilling for us personally, and it's not nearly as much of a blessing to other people as when we do something out of a heart of love. You know, we're, we're motivated by... Uh, a love for something and it flows out. You know the difference in this, right? If you're dealing with somebody who's doing something that they love and they're really motivated by that as opposed to somebody that's just you know doing a job that they have to do and probably don't have much of a spirit of love about it, there's a big difference there. And we know the difference internally as well. And so he's he's just reminding us of the importance of doing it with the right heart. And here's the thing. He says that you could do all these things in verse 3. You know, look at all the things he says. I give all I possess to the poor. Oh, gosh, that, that would be impressive. Give over my body to hardship. But he says, But if I don't have love, I gain nothing. Now, again, I would emphasize the fact that we don't do what we do simply for personal gain, but there is some benefit that comes from us serving God and loving God the way we should. You know, we talked about that even in, in serving within the body. We do it primarily because it's what we're called to do and the body needs us, but also we benefit from it as well as we're doing it. He's making that same point here that we really don't gain anything at all if we're not doing what we do out of a heart of love. And, uh, and, and that's really where it's at. You see, here's the, here's the difference between love and all the different spiritual gifts that he talks about in chapter 12 nobody has all the gifts listed in scripture right? there's no one individual that is gifted in every way that's why we need the body that's why we have to, God has designed it to where we have to rely on each other because each part, you know, each, each member of the body has different gifts and so we all come together and then we have a whole love is different uh, Love is not a spiritual gift that we've been given where we have some and we don't have others. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Love is something that should grow out of a relationship with God. I mean, Think about it in terms of of something being planted. The deeper the roots we have in our faith, the more fruit that will be produced. And one of the the fruits... Of the Spirit, Galatians 5, it begins by saying the fruit of the Spirit is what? Starts with love. Love, joy, peace, patience. We, the fruit of the Spirit. Not a gift that God gives us, but what naturally grows out of our relationship with God. But here's the thing. You can't produce fruit without first planting the tree. We, we have to... Be planted first, we have to experience the love of God in a personal way first, and out of that then comes opportunity for us to produce fruit. You know, the goal for, for every Christian should be to refer, for God to be reflected in us and through us, for, basically for God to live through us. That's what we're about, right? Getting ourselves out of the way and allowing God to live through us. So the goal as a believer should be that when I see you, I don't see you, but I see the character of God living through you. And the same as you look at me, you see the character of God living through me. So then that should ask, cause us to ask the question, well, how will we know if the character of God is living through us? What is God's character? And let me point you, although there are a lot of different ways that we can answer that, here's one of them that is primary, 1 John 4.8. In 1 John 4.8, it says, whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. That's, that's the definition of, of who God is. And so it makes sense to say if God's going to express himself through us, then that's going to come out in the form of love because God is love. In fact, if you continue on the next couple of verses right after those in 1 John 4, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. It says not that we love God, but that he loved us. So here's my question, but this is a really important question Do you know the love of God? I'm not asking you, do you know about the love of God? I'm not asking if you can explain it to me, describe it to me. I'm not even asking if you can quote Bible verses or maybe teach a lesson about the love of God. I'm asking you the question, do you know the love of God in a personal way? Because in order for us to really love, we need to experience love first. That means that we start by coming to grips with just how much God loves us. The verses we just read, God, how did He show His love for us? By by sending Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem, triumphal entry. But we know what happens the rest of the week, right? We know that Jesus is about to be betrayed, He's about to be arrested, He's going to be crucified. He's going to give up his life. He's going to have to go through this torment of the Father turning away from him. And he just screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, this is what is coming through the rest of of Holy Week. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. I mean, Jesus did die in our place for our sins, but he rose from the dead. We get to really press into that more next Sunday and and celebrate that. But the resurrection, it's not just about Easter. The resurrection is about God providing hope for us always. The resurrection says the story isn't over, that God isn't finished, and that there's a future that God has for us, and we get to experience a taste of that now. But that's experiencing the love of God. Maybe some of you feel unlovable. Maybe you think, gosh, all that I've done, I just don't know how God, I don't even love myself. How could God love me? If you feel unlovable, can I just tell you this? That you are. And so am I on our own. See, we don't deserve the love of God. We are sinful. We have messed up. We have blown it terribly. And so, yes, I get that, that feeling that I don't deserve the love of God. And in and, and reality, that's true. But so what? It doesn't matter. God doesn't love us because we deserve it. God loves us because that's who He is. That's His character. God is love. And so He chooses to love us in spite of the fact that we're unworthy. In spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. And so can we just move on from that, you know, I just don't deserve this to realizing, well, God's big enough to love me anyway. And the response to that love should be one of surrender, one of of, of loving God in return, but one of faith, one of trusting in Jesus. And we'll come back to that, what that looks like as we wrap up here in a little bit. But loving God, uh, it it, it, it begins by us experiencing His love for us, and then we begin to put it into practice. It's more important than anything else. Love matters more than our gifts, our talents. But here's the second thing as you get into verses 4 through 7. Uh, and I'll just try to summarize it this way, that love puts others first. I mean, there's a lot. That, that's the best way I could figure out to summarize it. In the perfect way. But he, he talks about a lot of different qualities of love in this passage. And I, best I could figure, I wrote down 14 different things that he says that love does. Now, I figured you probably didn't want us to go through all 14 of those line by line and talk about them all because we might be here for a little while if we do that. But if we could just summarize it and say basically what this is getting at is that love puts others first or really love puts God first too. But that shows itself through putting others first. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do is to look at this list of the qualities of love and ask the question, where is my life out of balance with what I see described about love in this passage. Because the, the reality, going back to what we said a moment ago, the reason we sometimes feel unlovable is because we are sinful. And let me remind you that there is a great big I right in the middle of sin. That's the essence of what sin is. It's selfishness. It's, it's I want what I want for me. And I'm going to tell you guys, I am a selfish person. Because I, I battle with sin. With sin, and sin wants to, to put self first. And so it's important for us to, to, to have that reminder, come back and say, okay, this is what real love really looks like. And, and I love the way that, uh, that John the Baptist said it's recorded in, in John's gospel, not the same John the Baptist didn't write John's gospel, but it's recorded there, John 3, verse 30, where John the Baptist basically says, He must become greater, and I must become less. In other words, more of Jesus, less of me. That, that should be our mantra as believers. When we're talking about experiencing the love of God and we're talking about you know, putting other people first and all these kinds of really what we're saying is more of God, less of me. We, we want more of God to come through us and more of us to just get out of the way. And so he gives us this good little list here of ways that that can happen. And I do want to encourage you to go through and do some evaluation and just ask the question, what do I need to focus on? And let me encourage you to do this. Um, you may come across five, six, seven, eight different things that you're like, wow, I'm falling short in this area. Don't just focus on one or maybe two. And just say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really pray about this particular thing and ask you to do this. It's interesting to me, the very first one on the list is love is patient. And I didn't have to get very far into the list before I realized, okay, I'm falling short already. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not particularly patient. I get frustrated with things. I've shared that with you before. I wish I could stand up here and say that, that I have this figured out, but I don't. You need to pray for your pastor, okay? Pray that, that God continues to do his work. In me and through me. Sometimes I just get impatient. I get impatient sometimes with my family. I get impatient with people. I certainly get impatient when I'm in the car and driving and things like that. Um, I, I, I had an experience the other day that just reminded me how important it is to, to pray about these areas and to ask God to do a work um, beyond what comes natural to me. Because let me tell you what comes natural to me is getting very frustrated with people who are trying to push something on me that I don't want. Right? I get impatient with that. So about two weeks ago, um, I think it was a Saturday, uh, maybe it was a week ago, I don't remember when it was, doesn't matter. I I was doing taxes, doing income taxes and and that, you know, uh, Sean was working that day and so I had the house to myself. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to lock in and I'm going to do this, number one, because I know I'm probably not particularly pleasant to be around while I'm doing that. And so I'll do it when nobody else is home and that'll be a good thing. So I'm locked in, I'm focused and, and without going into too much detail, if you're a pastor, you kind of fall in weird categories. And one of the things that, that you're able to do is take what's called a housing allowance, but it's only up to fair rental value of your home. And so I'm thinking to myself, it's been a little while since I figured out exactly what that fair rental value is. So I got online and just started poking around. And I did something I don't normally do. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll give you this information if you'll enter your phone number in here. And I thought, I'll enter my phone number because next to it was a box that said, I'm really not interested in selling my house. I'm just curious. And I thought, well, once they see that, they won't call me. <laughs> so I put my phone number in, and I'm locked in. I'm doing my thing, and I'm trying to get information. It didn't give me the information that I wanted. Surprise, surprise. I know better, but I did it anyway. And I'm focused. 10 minutes later, my phone rings. And I answer the phone, and it's a real estate agent. And let me tell you, my first, my, my natural, this is what, what Blake would naturally do, is to get frustrated and maybe even just a little bit rude with this individual because I'm locked in, I'm hyper-focused, you're interrupting me. I told you not to call when I checked the box on the screen, right? But something this time just, and it's, it's had to be the Spirit of God, just said, chill out a little bit here. And so uh, the guy was a very nice guy, and I explained the situation. I said, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm working on my taxes. This is wine. This is what I'm looking for. Uh, I checked the box. that said I'm not interested in selling. I'm sorry if that came across. And he's like, no. He goes, actually, and he kind of perked up when he heard me say I'm a pastor. He goes, well, actually, I might be able to help you uh, with that. He said, I would also have, you know, I do leasing on the side of homes. and I might be able to help. So he went through and shared some stuff with me. I was like, well, this is cool. Number one, it kind of helped me out. It gave me some information that I needed. But more important than that, one of the things that it just hit me in the middle of that is I've been praying, God, give me opportunities to share my faith with people that I don't already have a relationship with. And, you know, it just, I'm a little slow sometimes in realizing that there are opportunities that God brings along. And rather than getting impatient with them, or frustrated with them, I should view them as an opportunity to to share with somebody. And so uh, I just, you know, I could tell he kind of perked up when I was was a pastor. And so we started a little bit of a spiritual conversation. you have a church home? Oh, yeah, I'm plugged in here. And before we left, I said, hey, can I pray for you anyways? or anything going on? I appreciate your help. And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, there is something. And he shared something with me. Can I pray with you now? He goes, that'd be great. And so I prayed with him, hung up the phone. And I'm going to tell you, the dynamic after I got off the phone was completely different than it would have been if I would have gone my normal, natural way of being impatient, right? I would have hung up frustrated and, why did that guy call me? And now, I'm, you know, got me out of my focus. But I hung up thinking, this is cool. I just had an opportunity to, to pray with someone and I actually got some information I need. It was, it was awesome. So it was a reminder to me. Now I tell that story not to say, you know, aren't you impressed with me? I tell that story to say, I normally don't do that. And it reminded me why it's so important to pray and to let the love that that needs to come through us express itself in the ways that that it talks about in Scripture. I I need that. And I suspect that you do too. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to go through this list and just look at it and say, okay, there might be something here that just jumps out to me that I realize, God, I need to pray over this. And I need to focus on what that area is in my life uh, that you want to do. All right, let's move on to one more, and we'll wrap up with this. Uh, Let me read verse 8 once again. Verse 8, after talking about all these different ways that love expresses itself, it says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Here's the last thing I want to remind us of, and that is that love endures forever. Love does endure forever forever. the rest of the verses right after this, he's clearly talking about the difference between what we experience right now in this life and what we will experience in eternity. And he says things like, you know, uh, we see now dimly as in a mirror. Which, by the way, if it helps us, you might think, well, you know, sometimes I don't clean my mirrors and they get a little dingy, but it's really not that hard to see myself. No, a mirror in that time was, was really nothing more than polished metal. And so they would take metal and polish it up as much as they could and try to get somewhat of a reflection. But it wasn't a clear reflection like you would get in glass or a mirror that we would have nowadays. And so he's saying, look, you can kind of get a little idea, but it's not as clear as it will be when. He's clearly talking about when we are in heaven. When this life is over and when we are experiencing eternity with God in heaven, at that point, now all of a sudden everything becomes very clear. But here's the interesting thing. Why does he say at the end of this chapter in verse 13, it says, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Just You know, ask yourself that question. Why is the greatest one love? And specifically, why does that come right after talking about how we will, you know, the difference between the life that we have now and the life that we'll have forever in heaven. And I think the answer is this. Have you ever stopped to think about this? That when we get to heaven and what endures eternally, there will be no need for faith. Now, there's need for faith to get us there in the first place, right? Faith in Christ and our sins are forgiven. But I'm talking about once we are in heaven, in the presence of God, I don't need faith anymore (laughs) because we're there. Um, Do we need hope? Not really, because we're experiencing it. We're there. So faith and hope really won't be a thing anymore. But love, we will continue to experience the love of God. That lasts forever. And interesting to think about. Love is the one thing that will continue to to last forever in heaven and, and, and will continue on. And so that ought to cause us... To, to just stop and reflect and realize, man, the most important thing we can do is to love. But let me come back to what I said a moment ago, and that is to make sure that we understand one more time that in order for us to love, in order for us to grow those roots and the fruit of the Spirit to, to, to come out of us and one of those being loved, uh, in order for that to happen, we need to experience the love of God in a personal way. And so i just conclude on that note by reminding you once again That God's love for you is not conditional upon uh, your deserving it. It's not conditional upon you doing anything. It all comes back to who God is and what he has done for us. God is love, therefore God was motivated to send his son Jesus to become a human being, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead, all because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And so let's make sure that we're responding, number one, in faith to say, yes, I'm trusting in Christ. I'm giving my life to you. But even after you've done that, to continue to walk and just live in the love of God day by day, because we never outgrow our need to be loved by God so that then God can love others through us. Let's pray. Lord, we're, we're just amazed By your love, we're amazed at the way that you love us unconditionally, undeservedly, but we're grateful. Lord, as we prepare for Easter week, we certainly um, are are just in awe of the ultimate expression of love. The cross, the empty tomb. Um, God, thank you. And I pray that really more than anything else, that we would know your love and that that would come through us. Lord, that what is inside of us would come out, and that would be you and your love. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.